give a huge warm welcome to Britt Hancock. How y'all doing? Yeah, I went to Auburn, but I didn't just go to Auburn. I'm from Alabama. From, y'all understand that? From? Red, see right here. <laughs> God bless you. We just got back from Nicaragua a few days ago. We had 92 people saved and and uh, got three, got in uh, a couple of new villages that we hadn't been in. Our, we have two missionary families, the Gildays and the Rossies, serving down there, and things are going good. Um, and we ended up praying uh, for some people really high up in the government that have never allowed... Um, preacher kind of people to pray for them before and um, that's really kind of cool and no I don't talk Spanish with a country accent <laughs> I, I did go buy a tie for my meeting and so that's proof I got the Holy Ghost right there <laughs> God bless you today I do have something on my heart I want to share with you and so I want you to um, allow the Holy Spirit to work in you, in your mind, in your spirit. Um, because we are really good at building thought patterns sometimes that inadvertently ended up, end up kind of working against God and His will in our life. And the enemy really likes that. And so he also gets in the mix and he builds strongholds. Um, and sometimes they're... They're on the subconscious level, but it affects our view and our perception and our understanding of God. And so I want to, um, I want to work on something this morning, and I want you to really open your heart and your spirit and do your best to let the Holy Spirit help you listen. Um, because uh, this is something, this, this idea is something that from a practical standpoint, I've observed all my life, but I've not thought of it cognitively um, for very long. Up in, I don't know, within the last year did I really see this this way. And, and so there's a lot of hope here. And there's hope for me and there's hope for you. And so I want to talk to us today about plans... And purpose. How many of you know that God has a plan for your life? Raise your hand. How many of you know that God has a purpose for your life? Raise your hand. So often we sort of marry those two things together and think they're the same thing. And they're not really the same thing. And so I'm going to throw some ideas out to you today and we're going to look at the scripture. Um, and hopefully hope is going to come to some of you. So let me just give you a couple of definitions. So the definition of purpose that I have here is something set up as an object or an end to be attained. Something set up as an object or an end to be attained. The definition of plan that I have here is a method among many methods employed to achieve an end. Or a purpose. And so what I'm going to attempt to do, and hopefully the Holy Spirit can help 
me. Actually, I'm trying to work with him and not get in the way. <laughs> um, what I think he wants to say to us today is God utilizes many plans as his tool to work us to his purpose. God utilizes plans to accomplish his purpose. And say that one more time. Plans serve purpose. Plans serve purpose. So go with me real quick. We're going to look at these a couple of these ideas. Jeremiah 29, chapter 29, verse 14. Now here I find five words in this English Bible of mine. Other translations and other languages, it's not quite five, but this idea is here. What I find in these five words is the ultimate statement of God's underlining, overriding, all-encompassing purpose for the reason He created us. And it says it like this. Jeremiah 29, 14, it says, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And that's what we really understand. If you really have any concept of God, the whole reason He created mankind was for a love relationship with Himself. He made Adam and Eve, He put them in a great place, and He came down every day to hang out with them and spend time with them. Now that got messed up, but that is His unchangeable, undeniable, all-encompassing, immovable purpose. God is determined that we should find Him. And He's gone to great lengths to make it so. God is good. He is not bad. And everything that He does is perfect. And so, let's look at another scripture. It's verse 11 of this same chapter. Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And you know who he's talking to, right? We were talking about this at the, at the end of last service. He's talking to the nation of Israel when they were slaves. And it was God who put them there and made them slaves because of their rebellion. But here he's saying in the middle of that, I know the plans. Plans has an S on it, doesn't it? So I want to throw out to you that God has at His disposal, at his disposal an infinite number of plans which He can utilize to work you to His purpose. And if you do something to mess up one of those plans, He'll just grab another one. And I think, I hope I'm going to prove that to you, that this is embedded in God's nature to do. Of all the religions on earth, we have the only one that has a flexible God. God really is flexible. I don't mean to say that it's okay for him, wickedness and sin and rebellion is okay with Him. That's not what I mean. 
What I mean is, He is determined to help us leave our wickedness and become righteous. Why? So that we can have a relationship with Him. And He is determined that that happen. And has proclaimed, I will be found by you. Okay, so the problem is, we mess up, don't we? How about this? The problem is also, other people sometimes mess us up. Sometimes we're truly innocent. But we get caught paying the consequences of somebody else's intrusion in our life. And so often we think, Ugh, I messed up or somebody else messed me up, so now I'm stuck. They messed up the plan of God for my life, and I can never, and you can fill in the blanks, whatever you're saying you can never do. Because most people have some sense of purpose and destiny that burns in their heart. The, the more we seek God, the clearer that becomes. Sometimes we have our own plans and our own intentions and our own desires. And God surfaces with another desire and destiny. And we have to decide what we're going to do with that. If we're going to dump ours and go for His. I get that struggle. Everybody wrestles with that struggle if they engage with God at any level. But... It, but, but on, in a basic level, most of us really want to please God. That idea exists in us. We want to be pleasing, right? How many of you in here want to displease God? Raise your hand. You want to displease God? <laughs> that was a trap. I'm sorry. How many of you in here want to make God mad? Raise your hand. Let me put it that way. Nobody wants to make God mad. How many of you want to please Him? Yes, so on a very basic level, you want to please Him, right? Okay, sin is not pleasing to God. And He's provided a way for us to escape that. So let's look at some scripture, Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22, and this is a big test for Abraham. This is where God tells Abraham, go sacrifice your son. And you know what he was talking about was, go kill your son. Go take a knife and plunge it into his heart and light wood on fire and burn him up. Offer him as a burnt offering sacrifice to me. That's what he asked him to do says, Genesis 22, Then God said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, I'll tell you. Who, who said to Abraham, Go kill your son? God said it. God gave Abraham, if you can think of it this way, God gave Abraham a plan. And what did Abraham do? He got up the next morning and he went and did what God told him to do. And you can read about it. It goes all the way through this. He goes. He finds the place God showed him. He builds an altar. He ties his son. He puts him on top of the, he puts him on top of the, 
the, the, the firewood, the fire's over there in the fire can. He's got a knife in his hand. He's fixing to kill his son. And what happens? Verse 12, don't lay a hand on the boy, he said. Don't do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you've not even withheld your son from me. So do you see that God employed a plan, but he had another purpose in mind? Did God really intend, for, based on how this story plays out, did God really intend for him to go kill his son? Nope. God had something else in mind. That was to find out if he was 100% devoted to God. And he found out. His purpose was to see where Abraham's heart was. Do you see it? God employed a plan to accomplish a purpose. Y'all see it? God does that with us all the time. And sometimes he tells us to do things that seem disruptive, that seem sometimes they may even feel mean to you. Or at the very least, wow, I don't understand. God's telling me to do this. I don't know why. And so often we base our obedience on our understanding. But let's try to be like Abraham and not demand understanding and just do what he's asking. So Abraham executed this perfectly. Sometimes we don't execute God's plans perfectly, do we? Let's read about that and the first instance of why that is in Genesis chapter 3. And this is the chapter about the fall of man, right? Ooh. Right here is where all the problems exist, didn't it? So you know what happens? The serpent comes to Eve and he tempts Eve and Eve caves in and disobeys God and so does Adam. <coughs> and then what happens? Look at verse 13. Then God said to the woman, What is this you've done? What did you do? Okay, so when God created man... Do you think that this disobedience was in his plan? No, don't, don't, don't get caught up in the sovereignty of God and his all-knowingness. Just think about it just a second. Do you think that was in his plan? That people disobey him? And that that made him happy? That didn't make him happy. That, that gave him a lot of pain, right? And so right here... He said, what did you do? How many of you have ever raised kids? What did you do? Why did you do that? Right? That's one of these moments. So look at verse 14. It says, so the Lord God said to the serpent, because you've done this. And then he says to Adam, because you've done this. Do you see that? So what happened is the first plan that God had which was what? For us to have a perfect place to live. No problem with procuring food. Perfect climate and perfect relationship with God. Unencumbered by anything corrupted. That was plan number one. But because you disobeyed, that canceled plan number one. 
And it created another plan. Let's look at where this other plan was born. Look at verse 15. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. This is the first prophecy about the Son of God. Right there. And right there in the midst of this great mistake, this horrible thing, this terrible sin, God grabbed another plan and He called that plan redemption. In the middle of the mistake, is God not a creator? He just made another plan. And I'm here to tell you that that's in his nature. And if you, by your own sin and rebellion, has disrupted and canceled a plan that you knew for sure was God's will for you, in the midst of that mistake, God has made another one. And whichever one you got right now is the perfect plan of God. Now, I don't mean that to depress you. Some of you are going... You don't know my life. You don't know, what, you don't know what I'm stuck in. I know that anything in the hands of God is an opportunity. Bad things don't come from God, but God sure can use those bad things. Remember, last time I preached here, I talked about opportunity. Remember that? And there is a plan intact in your life right now to work you toward God's greater purpose. Right now it is. Because, look at this. In Job 42.2 it says, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. You can't thwart the purpose of God and His intention to have a relationship with you. You cannot make God decide that's no longer possible in your life. Unless, at the very end of your life, you continue to reject Him, and He says, okay, fine. They had a lifetime of opportunity to choose me. No more. But that doesn't mean He gives up on redemption. That doesn't mean he makes an intrinsic decision that the purpose is over. He doesn't do that. Look at this. How about Noah? Genesis chapter 6. You know the chapter about the flood? You know what happened, right? This is very telling. It says in verse 5, it says, The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become, and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. The Lord was grieved that he had made man in, <clears throat> on the earth, and his heart was filled with pain. Because, why? Because he looked at everybody alive, and there was nothing redeemable, not even one shadow of a thought, that was redeemable in anybody that he could find. And so he despaired inside. That meant that his purpose could not be fulfilled, not because of his intention, but because of the wickedness of mankind. 
And he despaired because this is my hope that I can have a relationship. But with these people, it's impossible. I'm just going to wipe every living thing out then. Why? Because he despaired because of the wickedness. Was that God's plan when he created mankind? That it become impossible for people to reach a relationship with him? No, it wasn't. And then when he decided after sin happened that he would create a plan called redemption, called reconciliation, he despaired right here. God did. That reconciliation would be executed. That the invitation would be taken up by anybody. And so he changed plans again. What did he say? I will wipe, verse 7, I will wipe mankind whom I have created from the face of the earth, men and animals, creatures that move along the ground, and birds of the air, for I am grieved that I have made them. Another change in plan. Do you see it? Man was made perfect, and there was one plan. Sin canceled that plan. But God in His mercy made another one called redemption. It ran along a few hundred years, and then all of a sudden God despaired that that was going to be possible. So he changed plans again. I'm going to wipe everything out. Okay, but there's an awesome three-letter word right here. Verse 8. But. But. You know, raising kids, that's a really irritating word to parents. But. But Noah found favor in God's sight. And it says in chapter 7 that he was perfect in his generation. Because God, even though he had despaired, he kept looking. And he found one person who fulfilled his hope for relationship. So his despair left. And he created another plan. And that plan had a big boat and a bunch of animals. Right? He made an ark, a way to escape. Jesus is our ark. Jesus is our ark. Do you see it? One plan. Humans, attitudes, actions, and response to God will cause God to change His plan. That doesn't mean He's changing His mind. There is a scripture that, there's two scriptures that says, God is not a man that she should change His mind. He doesn't change in his nature, but he changes plans all the time. Why? Because he has an overriding intention, purpose for us. The relationship purpose is intact. And then he has other purposes for your lives. Maybe some of you were called to be a missionary, or somebody was called to be a pastor, or somebody was called to own a business, or whatever, and it's the destiny of God for you, and something happened by your own hand or somebody else's hand that derailed that purpose. And the devils come in and said, you blew it, dude. You're never going to get there. Because the devil's a master at messing up. Based on our mess-ups, he comes in and messes up our thinking and makes us think, I can't. He is, a, he is the consummate hope assassin. But Jesus is the blessed hope. 
And I'm here to tell you that as long as you draw breath, it's God saying to you, I'm still working with you, son. I'm still working with you, daughter. It's not too late. Are there consequences? Oh, yes. You do reap what you sow. But the mercy and the life and the engagement with God. God is saying to you, I want to move you from where you are toward where you're going. I have this purpose for your life. Come with me. The devil's going, you blew it. And you're sitting there going, first of all, this may be a new idea to you. Wow, there's a difference between purpose and plans. Are you starting to see it? Okay, so let's look real quick. At the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. Chapter 9 I think. Y'all know what Deuteronomy is. Deuteronomy is a big meeting that Moses had with the nation of Israel. And he was. Reminding them of a bunch of things. So there's a synapsis in here. And Moses is saying, remember when this happened and when this happened and when this happened. And there's some stuff revealed in Deuteronomy that's really cool. And so this chapter 9 is the chapter of exasperation. God's exasperation. Because in it, It's outlined all the times that the nation of Israel exasperated God and provoked the anger of God so much that he decided to kill them. Have y'all ever read the story? How many times that... Well, here, let's just read it. Look at verse 13. And the Lord said, I've seen this people, and they are stiff-necked people indeed. Let me alone so that I can destroy them and blot out their name from under heaven. He was talking to Moses here. Get out of my way, Moses. I've had it with these people. They have provoked me and provoked me and provoked me. I am done. Move. Moses didn't move. And he said over and over and over, if you'll just look, look at verse 22. Moses is saying, You also made the Lord angry at Teberah and Messiah and Kibroth Hadaviah, or however you say that. And when the Lord sent out from Kadesh Barnea, he said, Go up and take possession of the land I've given you. But you rebelled against the Lord and the command of your God. You didn't, tru- you didn't trust Him or obey Him. You've, re- you've been rebellious against the Lord ever since I've known you. I lay prostrate before the Lord those 40 days and 40 nights because the Lord had said He would destroy you. I prayed to the Lord. And... Uh, O sovereign Lord, don't destroy your people or your inheritance that you redeemed by your great power and brought out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Remember your servants Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Overlook the stubbornness of these people and their wickedness and their sin. Every time, almost ten times, he came to the point of exasperation with the nation and proclaimed, I'm going to kill them all. And Moses stood there and says, please, please don't, God. God would say, I'm going to kill them. Change of plan. Did he bring them out of Egypt to kill them in the desert? No. 
They pushed God to the edge. And he changed his plan. I'm going to kill him. Moses said, don't kill him, God. And, Mo- and God is running into someone righteous and upright who did fulfill his hope. One man. And so God's looking at that man. He's looking at his hope. His hope for his purpose is still alive. And he says, okay, fine. I'm only going to punish some. I'm not going to kill them all. And over and over and time and time again, God went through change of plan Versus change of plan, versus change of plan, versus change of plan. Can you see it? Man's actions and attitude provoked God to wrath. And one man's actions and attitude stopped his wrath. The the actions and attitudes of human beings determine which plan God enacts. Every time. And when God gets so exasperated, He's ready to make a sweeping change. If He can just find one person that is the fulfillment of His hope for relationship and righteousness and peace, He will not enact that decision that He made. Why? Because his plan is unchangeable. Not even his own wrath can thwart his intention to have relationship with us. Do you see that? Abraham did it. Noah did it. Moses did it. And guess what? God figured out a way to stop going through this cycle with humanity. Guess who his name is? God ensured that there would always be a man, 100% human, 100% God. But he always runs into a man who stops his wrath. I'm talking about stops him from global apocalypse. I'm talking about that swallows his wrath when he decides the United States of America is so wicked I'm done with it. It's, it's gone now. I'm going to turn it into a sea of glass. He could do that, you know. And he's justified now. But Jesus is saying, but Lord, look at this person and that person and that person. They're working towards your hope. They're in your hope. Does it not say that Jesus lives forever in intercession for us? Do you know intercession means stands in between. Isn't that cool? Because the man that God picked this time, he don't run out of life. Does he? So you're sitting there going, wow. That's a new idea. Every time God... Every time in the Bible, God got so exasperated and despaired, He always ran into somebody that fulfilled His hope for relationship, for righteousness. The Bible's full of this. Do you see it? And okay, so what about you? What about your life? Some of you know as sure as you're sitting there, he's talking to me. I thought this was dead. 
If you're breathing, Jesus is saying to you, He intends to keep working in your life. There are consequences. And new plans sometimes cause consequences. Deuteronomy chapter 1. Let's go there real quick. And I'm going to close with this last point. And then I want to pray for you. Deuteronomy chapter 1. Verse 26. The subtitle in this chapter is. Okay, wow. Surprise. Rebellion against the, the Lord. That's like the, the story of Israel in the desert. They were in the desert. God is so excited. He worked all these miracles. Man, He put a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. He's feeding them every day. Their clothes aren't wearing out. They have a living miracle every single day that's proof in their hands, that's going in their mouth that God exists. There was no doubt. Does God really exist? Does He love me? They knew that. And he's getting ready to send them into the promised land. And what happens? Well, they come up to this idea. Well, let's go look around. So they sent 12 people in there to look around. God said, go in. And 10 of them said, uh-uh. Them big folks in there. I don't think I like what I see. I don't think we can do it. After they walk through the sea on dry ground and all this stuff, that's just pure rebellion. And so you know what happened, right? It's written right here. He says it. Look at verse 41. Then you replied, We have sinned against the Lord. So they got it. They go through this whole thing. They said, No, we're not going to go. And God says, You disappoint me. So I'll tell you what I'm going to do. You're not going in today. As a matter of fact, it's going to be 40 years before you go in. And everybody that is a part of the, everybody that's an adult that has accepted this rebellion, except for Joshua and Caleb, you're not going in. You're going to die in the desert. And it's going to take 40 years for that to happen. So you're going to wander around in the desert. So God changed the plan. Instead of going in that day, he told them what the new plan was. Well, they didn't like the new plan. And they repented. Well, we've sinned against the Lord. We'll go up and fight as the Lord told us and he commanded us to go. And so what they did was God changed plans. And then they didn't like the new plan. They rebelled against that new plan. They tried to go back and work the old plan. And they got whooped. Because it was no longer the perfect plan of God. It was, but God changed His plan. And they had to live with the consequences of the new plan. None of God's changes of plans are imperfect. So the plan that's in your life right now is God's perfect plan. It's not His second best, His third best, His fourth best. It's his best plan. And in Matthew 9, verse 16, 16 and 17, it talks about new wine and wineskins and sewing on a new patch of cloth on an old garment. You know that principle? That's what this is. Don't fight his plan. It always causes destruction when you do. 
But understand that God is not, you're not in a plan to punish you. You're in a plan to perfect you and to work you to his purpose. Joshua and Caleb were innocent. They got stuck and had to pay the consequences of other people's mistake. Sometimes people and situations beyond your control cancel a plan and cause a new one. And I'm sorry about that. Sometimes it's your own choice, your own rebellion, your own sin, your own nature that cancels the current plan and causes God to grab another one. But you can be assured that God has the best intention in mind for you. And the best resolution is to work with Him in it. And the devil doesn't want you to work with God in it. He doesn't even want you to see and understand this part of God's nature. So maybe He confused your thinking. And, and the scripture says that we have... The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations. What is an imagination? It's wrong thinking. And some of you are wrestling with the fact of you're trying to determine whether God is good or not deep inside. You would never say that out of your mouth unless it's really advanced your problem. God is good. And there's no time that he's not good. And he's saying to you, today is a new day. Today can be the first day of the rest of your life. And God is standing right here going, come get some hope. It's not too late. You know how come I know it's not too late for you? Because I'm looking at you breathing. And that's God saying to you, come. So I want everybody to stand up. So if you're in here and you need some hope because you thought you had messed up or somebody else messed you up so that it's no longer possible because don't confuse the disruption of a plan with the destruction of a purpose. Plans are tools to move you to His purpose. And sometimes we can't see past the destruction of a certain plan or pathway and we think that that God purpose is ruined. It's not. And maybe you were just in the plan... And you never saw the purpose yet. And when that plan died and went up in flames and ashes, regardless of whose fault, your fault, somebody else's fault, you thought, oh, it's dead. I can never get there. So now I'll just kind of creep into church and I'll just sit and I'll do the best that I can to love God. But inside you were... Convinced, I can't make progress, not really. That is a lie. 
Jesus sent me here to tell you that. And so if you're here and you need hope, I want you to raise your hand. Keep it up there. It's not over. It's not the bitter end. Today is a better beginning. Leave your hand up. I want to pray with you. Would you come down here and let me pray with you? I'm not going to bite you. I promise. Prayer team, y'all come up here. You need hope. The devil's a liar. And I say to the lying stronghold in your heart, in your emotions, in your mind, the Lord rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ, the righteous. Freedom in this house. New day. New life. Better beginning. Redemption is not dead. Jesus came. And when he said it is finished. That locked some things into place. That will never change. And that is, if you confess your sin, is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And that means if you messed up a plan, and you know you messed it up, and you're suffering the consequences of having messed that up, God would just make a new one. And if somebody else intruded, and you're truly innocent, but you're stuck... God's got a new plan. And His purpose never dies. His purpose cannot be thwarted. So I'm going to pray with you. And all these people right here are going to go, just go through here and they're going to start praying with you. If you just talk to Jesus. Life. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that the Holy Spirit would work right now with hope. Hope is not dead. You are the blessed hope. And you can never die. Thank you, God, that blindness can be dispelled. Deep inside, Holy Spirit, I ask that you touch each one of us. Recover, redeem, and restore hope. Your purpose is not dead. And we know very well that your general purpose for relationship with us, nothing can kill. And that your specific purpose or purposes, destiny, for our lives individually. That remains intact as well. So thank you for your power. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your anointing God. Touch of heaven in Jesus name.